Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. It felt like I had to start talking about my mental health and start really focusing on it and addressing it. It's mentally yours from Ellen and Yvette. A focus on your mental health you surely won't regret. It's mentally, 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 mentally yours. Mentally yours. Mentally yours. Welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's weekly podcast about all things mental health. I'm Ellen, and this week I'm talking to Anna Lee Roberts. She's a podcaster and blogger behind Piglitish and a deputy editor of The Breakdown. We're going to be chatting to her about her new book, Don't Be a Dick, and about life on the internet as someone with mental health issues. I was in an abusive relationship from the age of 23 to 26 and when that ended I kind of I think I'd always lived with anxiety and panic well I had always lived with anxiety and panic attacks um which was something that I was trying to manage on my own as I think so many people do you know kind of take on too much but then after the abusive relationship I was dealing with PTSD symptoms hypervigilance and afraid of everything and it it felt very um it felt like I had to start talking about my mental health and start really focusing on it and addressing it so I started my blog which started as really almost a documenting my recovery to begin with um and built into something that other people were interested in um but originally it was for just for me to express myself did you recognise uh, the symptoms of PTSD as PTSD at the time? Um, oh, that's difficult. I, I spoke to my doctor a lot about it mm. um, and she drew my attention kind of to it being PTSD. But I definitely knew that it was something bigger than my anxiety. I think I, I was worried at one stage that, you know, it could be a number of things. Um, one of the things that I, I thought perhaps because um, my mum lived with um, borderline personality disorder, so I explored that avenue. But then my doctor kind of suggested she thought I was um, 
displaying kind of complex PTSD symptoms. Could you briefly explain what the difference is between kind of complex PTSD and PTSD? Because I've read about this, but I know most people don't know the difference. Sure. So I think that um, I don't actually know too much about the difference of mm. what how they manifest, actually. I'm, I mean, I'm not medically trained or anything, but I know yeah. that it's it's born kind of out of multiple traumas mm. as opposed to one maybe traumatic event such as um, maybe somebody being involved in a car crash or a t- t- witnessing something horrendous or a terrorism attack. That would kind of bring on something like PTSD, whereas I think um, typically people who have lived with abuse or multiple kind of traumas throughout their life that haven't been dealt with that's where you'd get a complex PTSD diagnosis. So when you started experiencing those symptoms what professional help did you get? Um, Well very little Mm. actually I was living in Sheffield at the time and I went through the IAPT system which is um, the kind of the access to therapy in England and I, I was going through that and I was being told you know your your trauma is too severe for us to be able to do it through the NHS in this area so you're going to have to contact um, a kind of a a women I think it was a women's violence kind of domestic violence charity Mm. initially that they were trying you know to get me to contact them Um, and it it was a really difficult time I eventually moved back to Wales which is where I grew up but it was a really difficult time for me because it felt like every time I was trying to access services there was always some sort of block Mm. you know um I was going through a lot of the the questionnaires that people go through and people were always kind of quite surprised because there didn't seem to be any communication between professionals or very clear communication and whenever they assessed me and they were like oh so you're scoring very low on depression and I was like well I'm not here for depression (laughs) and it was always very like you know for mood disorder was coming up quite okay Mm. um and they were always seem to be quite thrown by that um I guess because the typical thing that they would be dealing with is anxiety and depression in those kind of services so when I you know every time every time I was blocked from accessing services it felt very much like it was triggering in itself it felt Mm. like I was being told actually you're not worth um investing in you know, I, I knew that my abuser was continuing to just live his life, um, you know, free of any kind of consequence of what had happened to me, whereas I wasn't even able to access support. And it was very frustrating and very triggering as well. It's scary as well that you said your GP was kind of like, your issues are too severe. Like, that's really quite scary that that's the case. Yeah, yeah. Um, the I think it was specifically because it was trauma-related. Yeah that they didn't have any local services that were able to, they weren't able to offer me any kind of EMDR locally yeah, um, or any kind of trauma-based counselling. Did you eventually, uh, were you able to access counselling at any point? I have been able to access counselling eventually through victim support, Yeah, but I was only able to access that by reporting my abuser. Yeah, actually, it's a really, you know, strained process to go through because everything is stacked up against women, really, with this kind of situation. Mm. So, for example, I can know um, I'm still in the kind of criminal justice 
justice system now, kind of waiting to see what will happen with the case, etc. Um, so the, you know, I'm no longer free to kind of talk freely about the um, trauma itself, mm. you know, on the internet, but also with my counsellor. Um, when you say you're you know, not free, what are the kind of rules around that? Well, it, it's, there's a potential that it could impact the case. Mm. Um, there's a potential that a kind of a defence could claim that I was coached by my counsellor or that the way they questioned me was leading. So mm. while I can talk about what I'm going through now, I can't talk about my experiences at the time until after the, there's a resolution. Yeah. So either, oh, this case is not going any further or a conviction potentially or, you know, wherever it goes. Um, but as you can imagine, that's a very difficult thing to hear as well is that, you know, you've, you've, you've kind of found the courage to come forward and then you know, I'm essentially told like, oh, I've come forward so I can access the services, but I can't use them to their full, you know, to fully better myself until yeah. there's a resolution on this. And yeah. So when you did access services, what were the services that you accessed? Um, so through victim support, I've got um, a support worker mm -hmm. now, which is um, somebody who helps me more with the practical side of things. So supports me through the process of going through in, in the kind of can be quite stressful being mm -hmm. in, you know, police interviews, etc. Um, and also a, a counsellor who is specifically specialises in supporting women who've been through domestic abuse um, and sexual abuse and things like that. With the people who are involved in the process and kind of coaching you through things, do you feel like they have an understanding of PTSD? Because I feel like you would have to kind of discuss, you know, quite traumatic things throughout. So I'm just wondering if people are sensitive to that. Yeah, they are very sensitive to it. As I said, I'm not, I, I'm unable, they they mm. won't discuss details with me of what I've been through. Yeah. Um, but they have had um, like a great understanding of, you know, some of the symptoms. I think specifically the biggest one for me is kind of hypervigilance, which mm. is when you, when you go, you know, you might go outside and you might hear things more. Um, everything's amplified, you're hearing all your senses. So you feel... It can be very difficult, you know. I'm, I am coming on leaps and bounds with that, but there are days still where just walking the dog can be incredibly scary for me. That can make it pretty difficult to leave the house sometimes when every little, you know. I think um, my boyfriend turned on a Hoover and I wasn't expecting it, and I ended up getting so scared that I hit my head on the car and started crying for about 15 minutes and it's it's not I know it's not funny but it, it is kind of funny for me to look at look back on thinking you know I, I used to be such a stoic stony faced person and now I cry when I hear a hoover you know it's a bit like it's a bit surreal for me yeah it reminds me I know you it's right it's not funny but it's good to laugh at it it reminds yeah. me of like you know a puppy like puppies are scared of yeah. vacuum cleaners as well yeah, yeah. that's nice yeah, um, so how yeah. how are you coping beyond kind of the counselling? How are you looking after yourself and improving? Um, I think I think that the talking I do to people online, you know, I have taken some of those friendships kind of into the real world as well. Hmm. Um, but I think the the peer 
support I've had from the mental health community has been um, mostly, you know, obviously you've got, there are certain things, aspects of the internet that are scary to deal with, but yeah. the overwhelming thing about it has been positive and it has really helped me to talk to other people who have gone through similar things to me because you don't get that necessarily in your day-to-day social circle through work or through um, education or friends of friends. You don't necessarily meet someone who's got the same um, conditions as you or been through similar experiences to you. Whereas with the internet, you can kind of specifically seek out people who, you know, uh, have been through similar things. And it's very reassuring, even if all they can offer you is to know that you're not the only person going through it. That can be incredibly reassuring. So let's talk about the internet a bit more, because for you, would you say it's uh, mostly positive, like force in your life? Yeah, absolutely. But obviously there's the nastiness of the internet as well. (laughs) Have Have you had any kind of negative experiences being so open about your mental health online? Um, yeah, I've, I have, I've had, I've had a variety of things from, um, you know, you, you're always going to have where you don't get on with people. Yeah. And that's, that's, I think a lot of people find that quite triggering, but I've kind of dealt with, come to terms with that now, I think, um, for me and also random anonymous trolling I've kind of dealt with for me I've had a lot of targeted harassment as well um and I think possibly the scariest thing about that is that you don't know who it's coming from if that you know I've had people create accounts specifically to harass Mm. me or maybe me and a couple of other people in the community and it can be very scary because you don't know if it's someone you know or someone you potentially think is a friend or somebody who's connected to your abuser. Mm. Um, so that's been my biggest struggle. Um, and somehow they always seem to crop up, you know, when you've got other things to deal with. They never come along when everything's going fine. Yeah. Um, so that can make me feel quite vulnerable sometimes. I'm sure it's scary because also I've had similar where it's like people are making threats it's like does this person know where I am like how much does this person actually know me it is absolutely it's legitimately very very scary how do you come up with that um (laughs) big question it very much depends how I feel I know that the thing you're supposed to do is not engage yeah but it can be difficult especially if people are saying um libelous things about you or um or saying things about you know well especially libelous things about you because you do feel the need to defend yourself Mm. because you worry about your everyone worries about their reputation um you don't want to be mistrusted in such a sensitive community where you know people are taking advantage of people with mental health issues all the time and when someone implies that you're doing that or someone implied you know something along that line those Mm. lines um (laughs) i recently came on board uh hattie gladwell's publication the breakdown i was gonna ask about this yeah because i think that's something that i've seen a bit of where people are accusing you guys of you know taking money and disappearing and all of that oh oh yeah because we we started well i mean I have to stress that obviously she is the founder, but she asked me to come on board and help her with it. Um, And we started it because we wanted to pay mental health writers, which is something that 
you know, um, there's more and more publications doing now, which is amazing. Um, and we wanted to, you know, make sure that writers, there was access to that kind of right, uh, able, ability, sorry, to share your story for writers with no experience in writing as well. Mm. Um, so to do that, we decided to set up a crowdfunder. That was a decision we made together. And most of the money actually came from uh, corporate donations from uh, a large, um, a big app that, you know, mm. mental health app and also from a um, an access to therapy type of mental health company as well. And they did two large donations, which covered most of the money. And we also really fortunately got some donations from our following. Um, and then... I don't know where it came from, really, but it was something as little as having one of our writers be kind of, I think they were a couple of days outside of their payment terms, mm. uh, just due to really serious, silly, some sort of clerical error on the accounts end, which um, they, you know, they shared that online. And suddenly there was these these wild rumours that we'd scammed people and we weren't paying our writers, you know. And it's relentless. It's, yeah. it's account after account after account popping up. And just the irony that we decided, you know, we set this up to pay writers. And we're being accused of not paying writers. And then it's affecting our mental health when really we wanted it to help people. And it's just, it's so difficult to know what to do in that kind of situation. Um, and I think over time, I've just learned that yeah, I did respond. I, I put a couple of statements out just to make sure that nobody kind of thought, that there was anything untoward going on I very you know I wanted to be as transparent as possible so mm. shared every step with of what had happened with my following um, and Hattie did the same as well but over time I just came to realize that trolls aren't really interested in the truth mm. they just want to cause as much trouble as they can and that I was actually probably giving it a bit too much I was probably giving it more attention by actually responding to it so I just decided to stop it's difficult though isn't it because once someone tweets it people do start thinking oh maybe that is what's going on like maybe this is happening I don't know yeah yeah absolutely and you know there's you'll you'll see you know a lot of other kind of people with a bit a bit of a following or you know journalists and mental health advocates people like that they would typically see it and think oh that's a troll but mm. for somebody who's not familiar with kind of the internet it's very easy to kind of think oh there's no smoke without fire or to think maybe you know maybe this person is calling out something that's happening that mm. we need to know about and yeah it's a tricky one it's really tough to navigate things like that and also it's just you and Hattie isn't it it's not like a big organization no it's just it's it's there has been you know a lot of um it's it's very interesting you know this mental health community because mm. it's not like an official thing it's just it is a group of people who have been affected somehow whether themselves or secondhand or someone someone they know by mental health and they want to talk about it and it's interesting sometimes how much people will kind of treat the people in the community like they're celebrities or oh, yeah. like they're supposed to be kind of angels you know the point isn't to kind of put ourselves out there as like far as I'm concerned anyway as some sort of like something to aspire to or anything mm. like that you know 
you know you're it's just, just sharing. To get people talking <laughs> exactly I think there's definitely an element of that like even I'm definitely not kind of same league as you and Hattie in the mental health advocate front but I've had messages where people are furious for me not being able to respond to their every message it's like I'm, oh, yeah. I'm just one person um, like your counseling service yeah exactly it's like well I, I would love free counseling too but sadly not always yeah. an option so what's happening with the breakdown now um well obviously um you know Hattie's got things going on in her personal yeah. life and um and I've got this stuff with the criminal justice system mm. and things we've decided to kind of park it until the new year and then yeah. hopefully get it up and running again when we've both had a bit of breathing space from it um because it was getting really kind of heated for a while yeah um so we're hoping to continue it and and hopefully grow it but we'll we'll just have to see how how that goes um it's it's really difficult doing like launching something like this because obviously we've committed to paying all our writers and that's absolutely what we want to do and what we stand for mm. um and money will you know sponsorship is difficult in this day and age and money will go you know very quickly when you're paying people to write yeah. pretty much every day for you um and and Hattie and I are putting hours and hours of free work into it so also, um, you both have other jobs to do as well. Exactly. It's yeah, a so, huge undertaking. I don't think people maybe realise how big no. of an undertaking it is. Yeah, yeah. And then also you are launching a book as well called Don't Be a Dick. Mm. When is that yeah. launching also? That's why I have a questioning tone. I was like, is it launched already? When is it coming um, out? So it's a, it's launch, it's being published with Unbound and they're a crowdfunding publisher. Yeah. Um, they fund their first print run by the numbers by reaching a certain kind of uh, pre-order target Mm -hmm. um so it's a really interesting way of publishing and quite an exciting one actually because I could have self-published kind of with Amazon or something but I like the idea of kind of getting my followers involved having them able to have their names in the back of the book you know everybody who buys a copy gets their name in it um so I don't know when it's coming out because it has to reach its funding target but then it should be pretty quick after that yeah I think it's cool having everyone involved in that stage especially when it's someone like you who's kind of built a following by engaging with people and talking openly yeah it's a chance for people to kind of be a part of it I suppose yeah which always feels cool Books yeah cool. I think it, I think it is yeah. <laughs> can you explain a bit about what the book is about yeah so it's a collection of um I call them philosophical essays, but I think I'm like overstretching myself by saying that. It's similar um, to, it's being pitched as almost a really modern day uh, millennial kind of debrats, but a lot to do with how you treat people, particularly online um, Mm -hmm. and how you treat yourself. Um, Lots of things about tolerance and kindness in there. It's a collection of essays um, about, tolerance kindness mental health self-care all those kind of things um essentially it's my kind of don't be a dick how to yeah which sounds very necessary on the internet (laughs) yeah exactly i saw that you also launched um kind of a self-care challenge throughout november yeah which i was a really big fan of um how thank you (laughs) no i just really liked it i like that it's active and you're saying okay you can just do this thing today it's simple it's not some massive undertaking how has that been going have people been engaged with it um yeah a little there's been quite you know it varies Mm. i did this last year and i think the year before as well um 
last year I did it in October, which I wanted to do this year as well, um, because I think then, like, and that's what my plan was, but I think I had to put it off by a month because of everything that was going on mm. with me. So it kind of lost a bit of momentum this year, but I'm hoping that, you know, I'll probably do a little one again in December, but it's so nice to see people. Um, it's under the hashtag uh, self care together. And it's actually really amazing to see kind of some of the things people come up with because I keep some of the challenges pretty vague. You know, like um, go outside could vary for someone who's suffering with maybe agoraphobia. They might just manage to like open a window or, you know, like stick their heads out. Do you know what I mean? It can vary from kind of that or get make it maybe into their own garden to some people who will go off and do like a 5k run and it's really like amazing to see people acknowledge their own limits and kind of make the decision as to where where the self-care kind of boundaries come in for them. Mm. I think it's really helpful because for me I see it as like a bit of a prompt like I'll see someone else sharing theirs and go oh I should also do something nice for myself today. Oh yeah there's been days when when I've you know I've seen one of my followers do it and then I'm like okay I need to do it it's my challenge I must do it and I've really needed it this month so. So off the back of kind of self-care and the internet and your book could you kind of give us I'm not going to put a number on it but your most important tips for staying happy and safe and healthy online Ooh, online specifically um, social media so like dealing with trolls and how to not completely give yourself over to twitter i think that the most important thing for me is like respecting the block button mm-hmm. and i think not just blocking liberally i encourage people to block anyone and everyone um, including myself <laughs> but i think also understanding that when somebody blocks you it doesn't make you a bad person Mm. you know I I think a lot of people struggle with that I I see sometimes you know somebody's blocked me and it can be a little bit hurtful but I just try and tell myself well that person has the right to create themselves a safe Mm. digital space and to curate their feed so they only see things that are, you know, of interest to them, but also safe to them because there's all sorts of triggering things. And if you're talking about mental health online, your content could potentially be triggering to someone. And in the same way, I think that people should block liberally. Mm. I think that you can only do that if you can also make peace with the fact that people should be blocking you. Like, it's actually a positive thing, if that makes sense. That's a challenge, though. Definitely uh, challenging. Really, really, really challenging. But, you know, I just... Sometimes when I look through, you know, because you've got a list of people you've blocked. And I actually went through this the other day and I saw, you know, people I'd blocked because of um because they had trolled me Mm. but aside from that I couldn't remember lots of the reasons why other accounts were blocked I couldn't didn't even recognize the names um Um, I certainly wasn't harboring some long-term grudge against any of them Mm. so um I just think it's important to just for people to just kind of remember that it doesn't actually mean anything when you get blocked it just means somebody doesn't want to see your tweets Mm. I like your idea that everyone has a right to curate their space and it's not some personal offense if they're like just for right now i don't need to see your tweets yeah yeah it's been temporary yeah exactly and it 
nobody has the right to say I, I think a lot of people think oh I must be a bad person mm. particularly people with anxiety because people worry about that a lot you know am I a bad person that can be quite an intrusive thought that people would come you know come into contact with and not one of those people have I blocked as far as I'm aware because I had some sort of divine right to decide whether they were a good or bad person you know that that's just not yeah I would say safely no one on twitter can determine 100 if you are good or bad no exactly so this is goodbye from mentally yours so go away enjoy your day get on with all your chores from If you've been affected by any of the issues we've discussed today, please contact the Samaritans on 116-123 or go to the website at samaritans.org. Thanks very much to our guest today, Anna Lee. See you next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.